a brand new episode of Virtual Coffee. My name is Alexa Collier, and on this podcast, I have virtual coffee with innovative and accomplished small business owners and early career professionals. Now with me today is Allison Vick. She is the founder and owner of Little Blue Macaron. Allison is a trained pastry chef who discovered her passion for macarons and is now a business owner, mom, and wife. She has a standard macaron menu that she sells, but she also accepts custom orders and crafts extremely intricate art on her macarons. They're absolutely incredible. Definitely check out her Instagram after listening to this episode. Now, before we dive into Allison's episode, I'd really appreciate if you could rate and review Virtual Coffee on the Apple Podcasts app. It takes just a few seconds to do that. And you can also follow us along on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Virtual Coffee Podcast. As always, thank you all so much for your support. And I know you'll enjoy this episode. So let's dive into Allison's journey and happy listening. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So let's just kick things off. My first question for every guest is I'd love to hear Little Blue Macaron's mission in your own words and kind of take us through that journey of how this business came to be. Sure. So for Little Blue Macaron, our mission really is just to provide the best quality macarons that you can get in the area that are super tasty, but also very fun. I do a lot of artwork based macarons and it makes things really interesting. It makes them kind of unique. I like to use a lot of bright colors and yeah, I just want to make sure we provide people with a traditional treat that also has some fun takes on it too. And then I got started with this. Um, I used to have a corporate job many years ago, and I worked in the field of study abroad, and I was living in Austin, Texas. My husband and I are both from Raleigh, North Carolina, born and raised. We both went to high school together. We're high school sweethearts. We both went to NC State and graduated, and then after we graduated, we were kind of like, well, what are we going to do now? So we wanted to pick up and do something entirely different. We moved to Austin, Texas, and I got a job working in the field of study abroad, and I did that for several years and I was really good at it, but it was like definitely not a passion project. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a desk job, your classic nine to five. And I loved my coworkers and I love the city, but it just wasn't what I wanted to see myself doing for the rest of my life. So I decided to take my comfortable salary and trade it in for an hourly job (laughs) working in pastry um, because I was always, always, always passionate about making pastries. I always kind of regretted that I didn't go to pastry school or kind of go that field. Um, I used to work at the cupcake shop when I got out of uh, NC State and Sarah Colin Fitzpatrick, the owner you know, she just had, she has such an awesome concept and she was just running this business and really gave me a lot of inspiration of like, you know, what a awesome woman can do running a business that she's passionate about. So I always kind of thought I would go into that field, but my parents were like, you got to get a corporate job. So I tried (laughs) that. But when I decided to give it up, I found a job working for Whole Foods Catering Operation, which they're based out of Austin, Texas. So their flagship store had this massive, massive catering warehouse that we worked out of. um, And they did a a lot of food preparation. And so I joined their pastry team working midnight to 8 a.m. for like a year. Yeah. And then um, after a year, my schedule changed to uh, 
4 a.m. to noon. So I was definitely working like the graveyard shift for a while. (laughs) And it was very little pay. So it was definitely a huge life adjustment for my husband and I. But I was really passionate about it. And I was learning so much. And I met my pastry mentor while I was working there. She was my pastry chef. She taught me everything she knows, Mm -hmm. including a ton of stuff that wasn't really related to what we were doing. Things that I wasn't going to see working in that particular kitchen. And she really encouraged me to make sure that I'm spending all of the free time that I have trying out different recipes, trying out different techniques and really trying to hone my craft. So I was doing that and I said, you know what, I think I'm going to try making macarons because we did not do that at Whole Foods. We, we bought them out out of a wholesaler. And so I was like, you know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some. So my first batch, I just actually went back and looked at the picture the other day. I need to share it on my business Instagram because it was terrible. They look like <laughs> little exploded hamburgers, but I was so proud because I like didn't really know, you know, like I didn't know they weren't supposed to be perfect. So I just kept practicing. I just kept making them for friends and getting better and better. And I just realized that, I mean, that is what I was really, really passionate about. But I stayed working as a pastry cook for a couple of years and then became a pastry sous at an Italian restaurant in Austin, um, which is kind of like the next from cook. And then I became the executive pastry chef at that restaurant. Wow. was managing a team. And I mean, it was just a good couple of years of growth. I kind of went the sort of the apprenticeship way rather than going to school. Everybody has a different method, which works for them. But having that hands-on experience was really, really good for me. But I realized I didn't want to work in a restaurant for the rest of my life either, even though I loved it. But it just, um, it's a really different lifestyle. It's a different culture. And I, you know, my husband and I were having, you know, wanted to start having a family. It's just not really conducive to kind of that kind of environment. So um, when our son was born back in January of 2018, we decided to move home to North Carolina to be near family because it really takes a village. I know that's cliche, but (laughs) straight up totally takes a village. We really needed help. And we missed our family. We always knew we were going to come back to North Carolina. I'm a homebody. So I was thought for sure we'd be back within two years of moving to Texas. But we loved Austin so much that we stayed for seven. And so when we moved back to North Carolina, I was really fortunate and privileged to be able to stay at home for a couple of months with my son while my husband was working in the tech industry and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Because it was either find a pastry job working in a bakery or back in a restaurant or start a small business. And fortunately, my family and my husband, they were all very encouraging of starting a small business, making macarons. And so in October of 2018, I bit the bullet and, you know, formed an LLC, did all the paperwork and started selling at the Cary downtown farmer's market and just been growing from there. Pretty much. Yeah, that's the long-winded answer of how I got to where we are right now. What a cool journey. I love how there seem to have been many steps in your journey where you could have gone down one path or the other. And it's just so fun. I just love listening to folks walking us through their journeys of how they ended up to where they are now. And I had no idea you had that expert restaurant experience. I was imagining just, you know, you're perfecting some pastries in your house, which I'm sure you did too. But you have, you know, that real world restaurant pastry chef experience. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and it was so valuable because 
I learned so much working behind the scenes at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I learned so much about working with a team in the kitchen. And a lot of the recipes that I use today, like my lemon curd, for example, and my ganache and the ratio that I use for my jam, like my jam, my berries to sugar ratio, all of these came from recipes that I worked on with my team or my pastry chef at the time. It's just like little tidbits I picked up along the way that helped me kind of develop my craft that I'm, I'm working on today. So it was a really, really good learning experience. I would never trade it for the whole world. And yeah, it was a treat. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to ask you how you feel that benefited your current business. And yeah, everything you just said makes a ton of sense. So how do you make your macarons? So would you say it's all your like Allison's recipes? Like, how does that work when you're you know learning from others and maybe pulling some tidbits, like you said? Yeah. So at this point, because I have tweaked an existing recipe mm-hmm. for so long, it is, I would call it my recipe. Okay. Um, I started using, there are two different methods for making macarons and it kind of comes from like the history of the macaron itself. Italians like to claim that they created the macaron because they technically created the concept of the shell um, Mm. that you find in a regular macaron. The French are the ones who decided to put something in between the two shells and turn it into the decadent sandwich that it is today. People like to say like little sandwich or little hamburger looking thing when they see it for the first (laughs) time. So so sometimes that's how I refer to it. So there's a little bit of back and forth about who truly created the macaron. And there's two different methods. There's a French method and an Italian method. And um, every macaron baker you meet will swear by one method and they'll tell you why. I use the Italian method and I love it, but I have been working on a recipe for a really, really long time that fits my particular needs and fits the working in a commercial environment. Because sometimes when you're baking at home, it's different than baking inside of a large commercial kitchen, which is where I work, um, or in a restaurant kitchen, the environment's a little bit different and mm-hmm. macarons are super temperamental. So really like it's, um, it's one of those things sometimes where people say, hey, do you have a recipe I could, I could try at home? And there's just so many different aspects of an environment that can affect how your cookies turn out. So there's no like one perfect recipe. You just have to keep doing it over and over and over and over again until you tweak all the little things to work out just right for you. So I do have my my recipe and then I have a vegan recipe I've been working oh. on for a while also. So, um, which is, I mean, I would say it's like 90% there, but I mm-hmm. still have some like temperature tweaking to do to make it a little bit more perfect. But so yeah, they're they're my recipes, but they're also, they, they came from somebody else's existing mm-hmm. recipe. Right. Yeah. But like you said, you put so many tweaks on it that it it evolved into something new. So yeah, that that makes sense. That's interesting. A vegan macaron because do they have a ton of eggs in them? Yes. So a standard macaron is made with egg whites and powdered sugar and almond meal. Mm -hmm. That's um, and refined sugar. That's essentially all that goes into the cookie during the process, um, unless you're adding additional flavors or what have you. But that's the base. So a vegan macaron it's not just about making sure that your buttercream is made with vegan butter and almond milk and taking the dairy out of that part of the equation. You can't use egg whites in the cookie. And that's the biggest like thing of the macaron. It's really like, it's, it's a factor that's really difficult to replace. So I've tried a couple of different recipes and I fortunately landed on one that uses a plant-based protein that whips up like 
meringue um, and doesn't mm. use any kind of weird artificial stuff because that was kind of important to me too, not to be using like a manipulated product. I want to keep it like as natural as possible. So fortunately, I found something that's working for me at the moment. And I wanted to make sure, you know, I really wanted to make sure that vegan macarons are an option in this community because they are in general kind of hard to find. Um, you can yeah. find them in New York City. I believe maybe there's a maker who's making them in Austin now. And and I'm sure there's places, small towns that have them too, but it's not like a very, very common thing. And Raleigh has a big vegan community. So I wanted to make sure they get to have their cake and eat it too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask if you could find vegan macarons. It seems not. So go you. That's awesome. You're going to disrupt the market here. That's incredible. I hope so. So would love to get a bit into your macarons and kind of just describe, you know, if someone's interested in buying some of them, what will some of their options be? Do they have to be in the Raleigh area? Can you ship them? Just give us some of those details. Yeah. Okay. So, so my macarons, just like any other macaron, they're always going to be gluten-free. That's a good thing to remember because I do, I get that question a lot because they're made with almond meal. They're not made with any kind of wheat flour. All macarons are. So they shouldn't all be gluten-free unless you're putting something in the middle, like cookie butter that isn't Mm gluten-free. I have a standard menu of seven different flavors that are really like, kind of like my baseline of flavors for people to try. Um, It's what I used to have when I would do markets and pop-ups, which I don't do anymore because of the pandemic and also Mm -hmm. because we've kind of pivoted our business business because of the pandemic and changed our format a little bit, which I can talk to you about later. But because of that, I'm not doing markets anymore. But I do always have these flavors on hand. So when people say like, hey, I just want to try a couple, I want to try a mixed box. This is usually what I'm offering them. And it's brown butter, vanilla, salted caramel, dark chocolate, pistachio, lemon, uh, lavender honey, and fruity pebbles. Oh, and then actually there's an eighth flavor, um, which is my favorite. So I don't know why I said it last, but it's an almond and berry (laughs) jam. So it has like a a mixed berry jam in the middle. I make everything from scratch. So I'm not really using any store-bought product unless it's something like I make a key lime flavor and I buy gluten-free graham crackers to make essentially like a graham cracker butter to put in the middle. Um, And then I make like a key lime buttercream. So anyways, if if I have to buy store-bought, then I'm really paying attention to what it is I'm buying. But all of the jams, all of the curds, all of the caramels, the ganaches, everything that goes into the filling, I'm I'm making from scratch. Um, Mm -hmm. Unless I'm collaborating with somebody. Like I'm going to be making ube macarons soon. And I know I would not do ube jam any justice. So I bought some ube from a local maker who specializes in ube jam and ube products. And so I'm going to be like featuring her as a doing like a collab. Um, so, so I like to do collaborations with other small businesses, particularly like women owned businesses. I like to buy ingredients from local purveyors if I can, like I get local honey um, from the black farmers hub which is right around the corner for me because it's really cool they like to highlight black and brown owned businesses and Mm. it's just like kind of trying to like micro target businesses particularly now during this pandemic that that i can feature and spotlight so that people get you know you hear a little bit more about them right um, rather than just buying like honey from food lion down mm-hmm. the street so yeah everything's made from scratch everything's made with a lot of care I, I have all of these standard flavors but i also do custom orders very often um oh, wow. so people say hey my want i want some that look like my dog or i want some that look like slices oh, wow. of pizza or um i had somebody hire me to do avatar themed macarons that were really <laughs> fun so i did like four different characters from the show avatar um it's 
kind of a cool way for me to flex my creative muscle because I like to do really tiny hand painted work on these cookies. And there's a lot of you can anybody can take a look at my Instagram account, kind of get an idea of what I've done in the past or what I'm able to do in case they want to place an order. Otherwise, I wholesale my macarons to a lot of coffee shops around the Raleigh Cary Apex area. So right now I'm at Idle Hour Coffee, which is on Oberlin. I'm at the Optimist, which is kind of near downtown Raleigh. Um, I'm at Per Cup Cafe, which is a cat cafe in downtown mm. Raleigh. They, <laughs> they carry my vegan macarons. Medicine Mama's Pharmacy on the NC State campus. I actually make CBD macarons for them. Oh, so wow. Yeah, each cookie is the equivalent, has the equivalent of 20 milligrams of CBD in it. So you can kind of, you know, have a sugar rush and a chill out all at <laughs> one time. And they're, they're about to start doing vegan macarons. So they'll be vegan CBD. <sighs> Let's see. I'm also at Wake Zone Coffee house in apex they have two locations uh, they're a really big longtime client of mine and, and they're great i just started wholesaling to cha house in Cary, and they've been really fun to work with because i don't know if you've ever had boba tea but mm-hmm. now i have an excuse to get it like at least once a week so <laughs> it's, it's so so good and triangle pop-up now has a brick and mortar store in downtown Raleigh, right next to Raleigh Raw on, uh, it's on 115 West Hargett Street. And it is essentially like a small store where all of these local makers of pottery and jewelry and soaps and, you know, wooden signs, anything you can think of, they all um, sell their wares out of this location. So Friday through Sunday, I have six packs that people can buy out of their store. So it's only on the weekends because I want to make sure the product stays super fresh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's another another place you can find them. So when people are looking for macarons, they either can go to one of my wholesale clients and pick up something that's already there, or they can reach out to me via email and I can either pack something up for them if I'm in the kitchen or do a custom order if they have something really specific in mind. That's so cool. Congratulations on being in all those coffee shops and the triangle pop-up. Those are huge accomplishments. Yeah. And I mean, it's been great. It's, you know, just working with, I used to do triangle pop-up all the time when they were having, um, they still do a lot of markets and they run Mm -hmm. them really safely. So, so they're doing a great job, but um, I used to participate at least once a month in a triangle pop-up from the time that they got started. So it's been nice getting to know Sarah, the creator and you know, we have a nice working relationship. So when she started this downtown shop, I was like, Oh, please let me, can I go please sell my macros? (laughs) Of course. So, so it's been, it's like, you know, over the years, just developing a, a working relationship with people, it makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. And Triangle Pop-Up is awesome. A lot of the people who I interview on Virtual Coffee sell their items there. I know like Rescue Me Candle Co. just got in there too. So I've been meaning to reach out to Triangle Pop-Up to see if we can do some sort of collaboration, either having them on the podcast or something. So if they're listening, I'm reaching out to Triangle (laughs) (laughs) Pop-Up. No, that's, that's very cool. What, so are you able to ship them yet? Your macarons? I I do not ship them. I have done um, only because I haven't landed on the best method to do it. I I know which kind of packaging I need to order in order to be able to ship them. But I fortunately have been so busy with local orders that I haven't really had a time to sit down and do the type of testing that I need to do to get macarons shippable. Um, And it also would be another step in growth for our company, which we want, but um, have to time it 
right to because I think once we open that floodgate, it's going to be a a lot of of shipped orders. So I want to make sure I have it down exactly right. And that's on my that's on my list of things to accomplish for 2021. I um, thought for sure I would have time to figure it out this month because January is normally a pretty quiet time coming off of the holiday season. But fortunately for us, there is not, it hasn't slowed down a bit <laughs> at all. So we haven't come up for air since Christmas yet. Um, and so, so I thought I'd have the time to do it this month, but I think I'm going to push it down the road just a mm-hmm. little bit, but hopefully I can get it figured out. Yeah, that's a, I like that answer because it, while you're not shipping right now, it's definitely something that's on your goal list and something that seems will probably happen in the near future. So that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Excellent. So speaking of kind of goals you have for the business, I'm curious where you're hoping to take Little Blue Macaron. Seems like shipping, you know, just kind of keep growing the business. Yeah. Any other big, you know, ideas is a storefront in the future. Just would love yeah. to hear your thoughts on that. So that's a that's a really good question because that besides people asking macaroon versus macaron or asking us <laughs> if they're gluten free the the other big question we get is where's your retail store and where's your mm-hmm. storefront and how can I come visit you and since we started this business my dream was to get into a retail location and that still is the dream we were very close to cementing that dream last february and then decided to hold off because of the looming pandemic i mean it was coming right for us and we were like well maybe we should hold off for a little while and i say we i'm referring to my my husband and i because he's really all in on this small business it's kind of like a family thing for us now he helps me in the kitchen he does all of the accounting work and the books and everything so so he's really all in too but so that was in that was what we were just about to do when the pandemic hit and we decided to pump the brakes a little bit and see what was going to happen to the market before taking a pretty significant financial leap and i'm glad that we did although like at the time it seemed a little bit devastating to not be signing the papers that we thought we were going to be signing literally the week that we made this decision mm-hmm. but in hindsight i am i'm really really glad we didn't take that particular leap because it probably would have been really hard for us to navigate that aspect of the business during the pandemic. And we also just had a newborn at the time. She, Our second was born in May. And so I don't know what we were wow. thinking. We were just like, Let's just throw fuel on the fire. You know? So, <laughs> you know, if there's any silver lining, this pandemic has afforded us with some a fresh set of eyes to look through everything about how we want to build our business and how we want to grow. And I still want to do a retail location. I'm hoping it's something that will come to fruition this year. But we have a really particular concept in mind that's not just like, okay, here's a store where you buy macarons. Mm -hmm. So I I can't get into too many details about it because it's still in the works. But hopefully it's something that we can share to our customer base in the next couple of months if, if it gets figured out that quickly which fingers crossed. That's very exciting. Yeah, I'll look for those updates and and reshare them on social media as well. That's awesome. That's such just such an exciting step. (laughs) That's awesome. Like I said, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that when that comes to be. And, you you know, with your journey of launching Little Blue Macaron, what advice do you have for others who might be starting their own business, considering it, already into it. Just what are some of the lessons you learned or challenges you faced along the way that, you know, you then were able to learn from? Uh, Yeah, just advice you might have for others. 
My biggest piece of advice would be do not be afraid to reach out to other small businesses, particularly in the area or that might be within your same section of the industry. Don't be afraid to reach out to them for help, literally from the get-go, from the time that you decide that you want to start your small business, because there's nothing more valuable than the advice of somebody who's already gone through it, whether that comes down to, hey, do you know which commercial kitchen I should look at? Or do you know how to navigate this inspection? Or do you, what do you think about building my website on this platform? Um, or how do you get into farmer's markets? I mean, I have, I have people that reach out to me a lot and I like love to help because I sought help from people when I was starting and was very willfully given that information. Andrew Ullum, who owns Union Special Bread. So I started going to his pop-ups right when I moved back in North, to North Carolina and started just chatting with him about you know, how, how a small business gets started and telling him I really wanted to do this concept. And he was a great source of information for me. He got me set up in the same commercial kitchen he was working in at the time before they opened their brick and mortar. He helped me figure out what my pricing should be for my product, how wholesale operates, because I'd never done wholesale sales before. And he kind of walked me through the process. And he's still somebody I talk to a lot for business advice. And so I've had those people, not just Andrew, but I've had those people that have helped me grow my business because they already have that knowledge and they're happy to give it because they want to see other small businesses succeed. So that's how I got to know Mora from 12 Paws because mm -hmm. she reached out to me about a you know commercial kitchen space and we just started talking from there and really hit it off. And, you know, I kind of have helped her with a couple of questions, but now we're, you know, in a place where I'm asking her questions all the time too. <laughs> so, so it's just, you know, don't be afraid to ask people for help. It's kind of a, it's a weird process right when you start it and um, take the help where you can get it. That's been a consistent theme on these episodes of just don't be afraid to reach out to the community and that small business community, which of course, it's just incredible in the Raleigh area as well. Um, yeah, such a so many resources. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. And I wonder if that's, you know, I, I kind of had a follow up question of was that overwhelming? You know, okay, made the decision, I'm going to go the small business route. This is what I'm passionate about. While that's very exciting, I could imagine the next day being like, oh, crap, like, how do I do this? What's the first step? You know, what was kind of going through your mind that day when you decided and then had a do something about it. Well, the day I decided, <laughs> this, is, this is silly. Um, the day <laughs> I decided, I like got all excited and I pulled out my laptop and I created a logo on Vistaprint because okay. I didn't have money to hire an illustrator to help me. I bought the image that is the blue macaron from an existing stock image that mm -hmm. was on Etsy that you can like buy the artwork for promotional use. So I bought maybe I, I don't remember what I paid for it, but I bought this image and then I used the fonts that Vistaprint had and um, a background that they had while I was trying to make business cards and I took a screen capture of it and that became the logo that I still have today. <laughs> so like my first like I was like, oh, this is the first step of having a small right. business. You gotta right. have a great logo, right? And <laughs> actually, right now I have I'm working with a graphic designer that's mm -hmm. re redoing my logo for me and making it a little bit more legitimate than a screenshot from a <laughs> Vista print webpage. So, so I'm excited to see how that is going to turn out. But I, I kind of was very naive and I thought that's that's it. That's what mm -hmm. I need to start a business, right? Then you realize you have to form 
a company. You have to form an LLC and the bureaucratic paperwork that goes along with that. And then you have to file with the Department of of, um, Revenue for North Carolina. And you got to go through the Secretary of State office and you got to trademark your name and got to, you know, there's just so much paperwork. But all of the websites sometimes are a little hard to understand because everything is so formal and it's just packed with red tape. But eventually you muddle through it and then it becomes, you just know what your next step is. Mm-hmm. And what ha- what happened for me was I was trying to get into a farmer's market and they were like, we need X, Y, Z paperwork. And so I worked backwards. I was like, okay, I know I need this and I need this and I need this. So I got to go to this website. I got to go to the secretary of state. I think I called the secretary of state's office and was like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do next. And they were very helpful navigating the department of agriculture to get approval was kind of a red tape process too but it's just it seems overwhelming looking back at how much work there was but at the time it was like okay that's step two that's step three that's step four you're just pushing along as you go through it and you learn things about all these different resources which again looking back if somebody had just said here's all the small business resources in the Raleigh area I would have been like oh my god I'm so overwhelmed I don't know who to sign up with I don't know which newsletter to subscribe to but now but because I learned it piece by piece by piece really from other vendors and other makers and other small businesses that it wasn't too bad going through it so if you want to start a small business to anybody that's listening just you know, start with the baby steps and keep going forward from there and ask questions, write it down and just learn as you go. That's really the best way to go about it because you could just study all of the information forever before you start and it still might not be the how it all plays out for you. That's a really good way of breaking it down because you're right. It seems overwhelming looking back on it or just thinking ahead like, oh, how do I start a small business? But exactly like you're saying, just step by step and I'm sure one task leads you to another or, you know, that farmer's market says, hey, we need this paperwork. And then you go and get that paperwork. That's a great mindset and also a great piece of advice that, you know, I'm sure there are overwhelming moments, but for the most part, just take it step by step and you will figure it out and eventually get to where you want to be. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the logo how did little blue macaron the name come to be is it was it random was it inspired by something why why little blue so i used to have my dream name which i think i like registered for the website so i hope nobody listening tries to go there because i honestly don't (laughs) know if it like still exists and it was just like a mock prototype and it probably looks ridiculous so just ignore that part but my original name is going to be, uh, I can't even pronounce it because it's just going to sound like the word macaroni. It's macaronery, which is like the French term for a macaron, pa- like a pastry shop that is just macarons. And so instead of a patisserie, it's a mac- macaronery. All of my friends were like, girl, that is a dumb name. It looks like <laughs> macaroni. It sounds like macaroni. Nobody's going to get it. But I was so tied to it because I was like, this is my brainchild. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, I listened to my friends and my family and I was like all right so I begrudgingly changed the name and I'm so glad I did because I'm almost embarrassed of what my original thought was but in thinking of a new name I wanted something that kind of rolls off the tongue and would be a little bit more memorable but I was also thinking about you know at the time my son was maybe eight months old or nine months old at the time and my husband and I we both have brown eyes and our son has like very clear bright blue eyes oh wow he got recessive genes and so did so does our daughter now I don't know what happened but um, (laughs) 
he looks like his grandparents, but, um, you know, his like little blue eyes, we were always talking about them. And so I, I kind of wanted to incorporate that. And then also, I really think of blue kind of as North Carolina's color. I'm an NC State alumnus, so it's important for me to clarify that this is not Tar Heel blue, but it is, <laughs> you know, the Tar Heel state makes you think of like the Carolina blue color. And mine is, my signature color is not really Carolina blue. It's more of like a teal aqua type color. But yeah, it made me think I'm a made me think of North Carolina and it just sounded like once I came up with it and I don't really know when it hit me but once I came up with it I was I was stuck and sold so so that's That's where we are still yeah that's awesome and you're you're lucky your daughter also has blue eyes because now you can sneak her into the uh explanation and (laughs) inspiration exactly exactly it's both of them yeah that's very cute that's so sweet I I'm glad I asked that and then also I know you and I talked about this before recording but just tell our audience the difference between macaron and macaroon would love for you to, to educate us <laughs> yeah so I was telling you earlier but I so I never I have people ask me all the time they say is it macaroon because I say macaroon I will never judge anyone for saying macaroon because we live in the south and sometimes the dialect comes through thicker in some areas than others so so no shame if you say macaroon but technically macaron is the French cookie, the one that I, that's what my business is. I make French macarons or macaroon is the shredded coconut dessert. The interesting about thing about them is that they do both have similar components. Egg whites and sugar are a big part of both of the cookie bases, but macaroons, coconut macaroons are very simple to make and very tasty, but French macarons are very temperamental, very difficult to make, but also tasty. Excellent. Thank you. And now next time uh, someone asks you, you can say, go to go to minute 37 or whatever <laughs> virtual. Con- yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're not passed up. I'm just going to hit 37. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you. That's a good educational piece. Wonderful. Yeah. So kind of going back to, you know, your family and from your experience with running and owning your own business, and you mentioned it's kind of a family affair now. Yeah. Any best practices or tips and tricks on how to balance all that like you have very young kids at home how how do you manage that that's a lot Um, going on so I always tell people to be so clear and so transparent that I come from a very both my husband and I come from a very privileged position in which my husband's parents, my in-laws are retired. And so they are our full-time childcare right now. Um, We did have our son in daycare for a while because I, you know, I think for him, it was developmentally, socially Mm -hmm. so great. But as things were getting really scary with the pandemic, we were able to pull him from daycare and rely more heavily on my in-laws for childcare help. And since that happened, we've really just kind of as a family shifted our focus. So they come over, they watch both of our kids while we're in the kitchen, but we do really try to stick to pretty strict hours so that we're there for with our kids when they wake up, we do breakfast, um, we play, and then once our baby goes down for a nap, which is kind of around like 9.30 or 10, mm-hmm. that's when we go into the kitchen. Um, and then we try to come back with enough time to be able to get the in-laws back home without hitting a bunch of traffic. And then also making sure we can get dinner on the table, some more time to hang out with the kids. And then I do take at least one day off for the weekend. Um, right now, we're at a good pace where 
I don't typically go into the kitchen on Saturdays or Sundays unless we have an emergency restock that we need to do for a wholesale client. But I know this all this won't always be this way, particularly as we shift more focus into growing the business. We are probably going to spend longer hours and weekend days, but Right now in these early developmental years of our kids, we're really trying to make sure that we're making them our primary focus, but also devoting a lot of time to the business when we can. That said, we had over Christmas a little incident on my website where I made these like pre-order Christmas boxes and calculated that we would have enough time and energy to create 30 of them. And then our website oversold by 30. So it doubled the orders in the same time period as like, until it sold out. So I'm not really sure what happened. There was some kind of glitch. It just like double sold all of the orders until it just said sold out. So And we found out like three days before they were all due for pickup. And so we literally like (laughs) spent the night in the kitchen and it was so great to have our in-laws to rely on and say Mm -hmm. like, hey, dropping the kids off at 10 a.m. and we're not coming back until 6 p.m. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And we literally spent all night in the kitchen cranking out cookies. So we're in a privileged place that we're able to do that. And I know that's not everybody's story um, when you have kids and you have a business that you have to support. So we're very, very privileged. We're very lucky that we can split our time that way. In terms of best practices, you know, like I said, if if you're able to, I like to try to put family first and then do the kitchen stuff later because I don't want them to remember us being absent from their lives at this time. But I also think, you know, they're going to grow up knowing that we have this family business that they're going to be a part of too. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, hopefully they'll be proud of us when they can get to it. Our son now, he's three. And so he'll go when I have to leave for work, he'll go, mama, you going work at the cookie <laughs> store? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the cookie store. That's what it calls it. And he's like, okay, bye. So he's really kind of like now getting the concept of like, hey, I got to go to work, but I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Another thing I would say is, you know, I'm really fortunate to be working with my partner in life. Like I said, my husband and I were high school sweethearts. We've been together like almost 17 years now, if I'm calculating properly, but maybe not. We didn't get married till much later in life. We were 28 and 29 at the time, but we've we've been together for a very, very long time. And he's been so supportive in a billion different ways of this business. But I think like one of the best practices that I have to constantly remind myself for anybody who's working with their partner or starting a small business as a family is you really got to listen to your partner because there are times when I just get like so stressed out because I just feel like we're facing a mountain of work and I just, you know, I don't want to miss time at home with the kids or or what have you. And he really kind of brings me back down to earth. Like over Christmas, he was, we had this, that day that I was referring to, we had this crazy day and we get in and I just get all of a sudden just overwhelmed as I'm making my baking list, overwhelmed with the amount of work that we have to do. And kind of freaking out a little bit. And he was like, Hey, it's marathon. It's not a sprint. So we need to move at, cause I was running around the kitchen. He was like, you got to move at a steady pace. You can't wear yourself out. If you're going to be here all day and all night, you need to go steady so that you can make it last, you know? And I really like stopped and listened and was like, okay, he's absolutely right. And sometimes I'm definitely very guilty of not stopping and listening and getting, getting caught up in my own head. But if you're going to run a business with your partner, you have to make sure that you are really listening to them and that they're really listening to you too. It, it takes a lot of communication because you're in a work partnership and, you know, a life partnership. Mm-hmm. So it can be a very delicate thing and you, you definitely have to work on it. And then lastly, I would say like, make your passion, your 
business. That's, that's how you can, I mean, we don't, I don't have a lot of hobbies outside of work right now, just because we have two small kids. So it doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really give you a lot of time for hobbies. <laughs> I liked, I used to play the mandolin and I would really oh, like cool. to take it back up. My husband's like, please. Cause he's very musical. He plays like a billion different instruments mm-hmm. and he's like, play the mandolin so we can have a family band. But so that's something <laughs> that's in, that's a dream. But you know, if you make your passion part of your business, then you get to work on these things simultaneously. So, so that was kind of the reason for building this business. Cause it was like, I love it so much. I love, I'm still not sick of going in and pumping out cookie shells every single day. You know, I, I just, I still love it. So I feel like I'm getting to fill that portion of my cup, that creative need that like that outlet, I feel like I get to fill it while I'm at work. So, um, Mm -hmm. so that kind of, I think will help people for balancing hobbies and passions. If you can somehow incorporate them into whatever it is you're doing, it'll, it'll help you kill two birds with one stone, really. All great pieces of advice here. And thank you for sharing your story. It just seems you're right. This is a whole family business, right? With your and your husband's parents, you know, watching the kids, like they're contributing to Little Blue Macaron by doing that. And then your husband also coming in as well. And then that passion piece, I completely agree. I, especially, you know, running your own business that the blend of life and work is just, it just starts to blend way more than perhaps a corporate job might, right? Because that it, it is your life. It is 24 seven. Yeah. It, yeah. So, that's... and I know my, my, um, my parents too are also huge and my sister. I mean, everybody, so I'm, so, I'm so lucky like that we moved back to North Carolina because all of our family is around here, but you know, my parents, they don't live in Raleigh. So that's why we utilize our in-laws for childcare a lot okay. because they're right, they're right near us. But you know, everybody, my aunt, my sister, my mom, my dad, they've all pitched in when we need it. And anytime I'm like freaking out, they'll say, tell us what we need to do. We'll come into the kitchen if you need us to come into the kitchen. So we really like, when I say it's a family affair, it's great because we have so many people rooting for us trying to make it happen. So if we are successful in the way that we we want to be, if we get this a retail location up and running or we're able to grow and really, really expand, it honestly it will be all, all given to our families because they're the ones who helped us get here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And is this, is Little Blue Macaron your husband's full-time job as well? Yes. So like I said, he used to work in the tech industry and then he was working at a company that dissolved. And so we kind of took it at the time he, we decided to switch modes and he went into stay at home dad mode, which was Mm -hmm. really cool because he had been, since our son was born, he had been working full time at a corporate, you know, office tech job. And again, didn't, you know, was good at it, but did not love it. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of like my story, but it was helping us stay financially afloat. And when that happened, when his company dissolved, we decided to switch gears. He was going to spend some time at home with our son and do the stay at home dad thing so that I could do more hours in the kitchen and kind of expand a little bit that way and try to flip how we were going to financially support ourselves. And then that worked for a while. And then we had this time right before our daughter was born where we, I said, I need more help. So he started coming into the kitchen and then that's when we started kind of involving our in-laws a bit more for childcare. And then since my daughter was born, I mean, we just were like, we just knew we both went back and we were like, we're both going to be in the kitchen. So he's Mm -hmm. full time in there with me. And it's my team is my husband who I like to joke is my unpaid employee. Um, (laughs) And then also 
my, I have an intern that comes twice a week. So they're really the reason we've been able to grow a little bit more over the past couple of months in terms of wholesale market, but we're definitely going to have to start taking on legitimate employees soon. (laughs) So, yeah. That's major to get to that, like first to get to the point where you and your husband can go full-time at a business you own. And then now to get to the point where you're saying, yeah, we need quote unquote real employees. Like that's really cool. Those are huge successes. That's incredible. Very nice. My last big question here, Allison, that I end every episode with is in this moment, first thing that comes to mind, what is your proudest accomplishment? And of course the answer can be little blue macaron or something related to your business, or it can be on a topic completely different. Just that first thing that comes to mind of your proudest accomplishment in this moment? I would definitely say the first thing that comes to mind are my kids, my family. Mm -hmm. It's just, and being, coming back to North Carolina, being able to be around my family, my, my sister, my nieces, being able to have our kids grow up together. Like that to me has just been, you know, that's what I want to look back on when I'm older and remember the time that I got to spend with family. So I think coming back home and being able to build a business that incorporates a lot of our family is really the the big thing that I'm most proud of. I have us two kind of silly things that are just <laughs> past, past things, but it made me think about it when you asked this question. I like to tell people that this is just a complete, I'm bragging. So I, and I know that. So I'm just going to put that out there. But I like to tell people that I played Carnegie Hall because oh, wow. I called into Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the show that's on NPR. Uh, okay. Like, maybe maybe it was like a year and a half ago. I It's like a quiz show game that uh, plays nationwide on Sundays. And I, I was a participant, but I did it while they were live at Carnegie Hall. And so I <laughs> could hear all of the audience. I mean, I was like making some jokes and stuff and I could hear the audience laughing when I said some things. So I was like, okay, I, I feel like I've I've played Carnegie Hall now. I can tell people that officially. <laughs> Although really it was just like a two minute segment on food puns pretty much. <laughs> so, so, so I like to tell people that as an accomplishment and then, and make kind of tying it back into the business. I then mm-hmm. sent them macarons where I had painted the face of the two hosts, um, oh, Bill Curtis wow. and Peter Sagal and like their logo onto a couple of cookies. And I sent it to them in Chicago and, and they got it. And I mean, I guess they like, it sounded like they liked it. So, that's so, so that was cool. like a cool moment for my, for my business too. So, so yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I got. Very cool. That's, I think that might be one of my favorite answers to that question. That is awesome. Just, yeah, of course, congratulations on the beautiful family you're building and then also playing Carnegie Hall. That's amazing. What a great answer. (laughs) You know, I I count it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Of course. Why, why wouldn't you? I love that. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Allison. And I hope everyone checks out you and Little Blue Macaron. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where you take the business. I'm sure it's going to go amazing places, you know, this year alone, let alone in in the future. And where can people find you in Little Blue Macaron? Shout out your social medias, website, etc. Definitely first and foremost, find me on Instagram. That is where I'm most active posting stories. I'm trying to get a, a real post up every couple of days, but it's where you can see my latest product. You can see past orders that I've done. If you're curious about placing an order, um, if you're curious about what flavors I can whip up, Instagram is the place to go. And that's just little blue macaron, which is one O 
at um, just on Instagram, all one word. So that's my handle, Little Blue Macaron. Otherwise, you can go to littlebluemacaron.com. There I've got a flavor menu and I kind of talk about how ordering works. But honestly, I have to revamp my website. It just needs needs a little love. So that's something I also need to work on soon. Honestly, when you're doing like when you're doing the baking and you're doing the website and you're doing the emails, it's just like some things fall to the wayside. And, and you're a mom. <laughs> and your mom. And it's just like the website's fallen to the wayside. Sure. So I, I'll update it. But it's still a good place to go. And then I I love when people email me directly at littlebluemacaron at gmail.com because I can answer your really specific questions there. Um, and I try to do it within maximum like a 36-hour window, but um, I try to shoot for 24 hours in between responses. So So if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out through email. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much. And everyone go check out Little Blue Macaron, you know, their Instagram, everything Allison just said, they have some beautiful, beautiful products she makes. So be sure to check them out. And again, thank you so much, Allison. Seriously, thank you so much for having me. I, I love your podcast. So it's really an honor to be on. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs>